who's ready to pop some tags. Saturday, January 28th, we get funky in Belleville as Beyond FM, Shoehorn Brewing Company, and Spaces bring you a thrift shop party hosted by DJ Moth. Put yourself together a nice funky outfit from your favorite thrift store and show up and get ready to party. $5 get you in, cash prizes for the best outfit, and DJ Moth spending the ones and twos from nine until whenever. It's the thrift shop party. Hosted by DJ Moff at Spaces in Belleville, 207 East Main Street. And don't forget the pregame party at Shoehorn Brewing Company the same night from 7 till 9. So come party with us January 28th for the Thrift Shop Party. Hosted by DJ Moff. Brought to you by Shoehorn Brewing, Spaces, and Beyond FM. Who's ready to pop some tags? Peace, quiet, and good order will be maintained in our city to the best of our ability. Riots, melees, and disturbances of the peace are against the interest of all our people and therefore cannot be permitted. We interrupt this program to bring you... On behalf of the United States government... We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Stand by. I'll be right there. Now, here comes the music. Save me from the darkness outside 
is the best of everything STL Beyond FM on a Friday afternoon in our beautiful studio in Collinsville. Uh, a chilly afternoon, but we're, we're, we're going to heat it up today because we're going to we'll talk to filmmaker James Dean and talk about all the stuff that he's been through and going on in his career and new stuff that he's got. He's been very, very busy. But first, uh, of course, and I need to start doing this because I always forget every week for some reason. But I gotta, I gotta thank our friends and, and sponsors out there, and uh, so let's do that now. Uh, Breakthrough Media TV, of course, Full Circle Music Group, Shoehorn Brewing Company, Pops, Red Flag, Off Broadway, Daniel Artemisi Creative, Chloe's Cake and Bake, The Ink Spot, Rockstar Taco. Rock Paper Podcasts, Spaces, and Miners Theater, just right across the street from our beautiful studio here at Consul. And if you're listening by chance on Spotify or, or something like that, uh, just a reminder that uh, we do have a 24-hour a day, seven-day-a-week radio station called Beyond FM 24-7. It plays nothing but St. Louis area artists, and I say area because we do play stuff from you know, the Columbia's and the Springfield's and, and all that, but it's general area. And uh, so, and, and we also 
booking music shows and stuff from people that we're bringing people out of town to play here, but we're putting local bands in front of those out of town people. So it's kind of a win-win for everybody. But uh, also you can check us out anytime on our website at www. which I don't know why I say that because nobody says the W's anymore, but beyond FM 24 dash com, And uh, you can check out everything that's going on. Plus listen to the station. But like I said, we do have a radio station with a, uh, an app that's attached to it too. So you can take us with you everywhere and uh, it's available for Android and iOS. So we'll take a small break and then we'll come back and we're going to hang out with Jane. James Dean and get to know him. So we'll be right back right here on Beyond FM. When I was a kid, you dressed like a woman and you sung about the devil. Now, now that was music.
How can we be rock stars if we're not living like rock right. stars? If we live like rock stars, the music will come. Okay. The music will come, okay. Charlie. Beyond FM. Hey, you got yourself there a new ray gun. Well, son, do you know how to shoot? the best of everything STL Beyond FM. Thanks for tuning in and hanging out with us. And today, uh, a special presentation here at Beyond FM. And uh, we have filmmaker, director, um, all wonderful person, James Dean, here hanging out with us. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on, man. Let me turn you up a little bit. There we go. Um, So let's just start out with uh, really how you got started in in the filmmaking stuff and what influenced you and maybe a certain movie or certain director or what have you. Yeah. um, I mean, I grew up watching films and I remember I remember the very first movie I saw in a movie theater and like how excited it made me and just like the overall experience, you know, Um, and I actually didn't touch a camera until about seven years ago. And I'm 42, so that's very late to get started down that path. And it was always because I kind of told myself I wouldn't be able to do that for whatever reason. You know, I mean, there's a lot of... It's hard to get past the self-doubt sometimes. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And also, I feel like with films, things now are way different than they were 15 years ago as far as, like, the accessibility of equipment 
and knowledge. Well, me and me and uh, Dustin Diggs were talking about that last night on the show. Yeah. Of like, could you imagine if we? Well, Keenan asked us, you know, why didn't you guys do this when you were twenty? I'm like, well, the technology wasn't there. Like, this is a piece of equipment that I have sitting in front of me. Right. Back then, if they would have made this, this would have been ten, fifteen thousand dollars. You know, right. where yeah. it's you know. Six ninety nine now, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, it's the 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 price to enter the the the, the game, so to you know, so to speak. Yeah, it, it's so much lower. Sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I've loved films my entire life, and I love bad movies as much as I love excellent movies. You know, I can find enjoyment in both, and so uh, eventually, I you know, getting past that doubt, like it was so hard. The first couple things I made were actually. I, I had no inspiration because every time I tried to think of anything, I just felt, I just doubted myself. So I actually went to this uh, website that did competitions for, uh, they were one minute films and they would give you a topic and I never even submitted them. I just needed something to guide Kind of me. amuse for you. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And so the one was uh, like tying your shoe, just, just like walking, walking down the street and tying your shoe. And, but it got me thinking about. The framing, it got me thinking about where the cuts would go, um, how many shots I would need. And I was doing this all by myself. So, you know, I, I did that by myself. I did a couple of them that I don't think anyone's ever seen. And it doesn't matter. They weren't. It wasn't like that was the purpose of making them. It was just to start learning and pushing myself into a, an arena that was not comfortable to me. Yeah. And then becoming more and more comfortable with it. Um, I mean, as far as inspirations, I there's so many directors that I love. Um I, I think the easiest one to uh, that people would like compare my first film to would be Tarantino's work, but without a budget. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, but the funny thing about that even is, is that I went back and started watching a lot of the films that inspired him and not to take away from anything he's ever done. Cause I, I do love his work. Um, I think his inspirations have more of an impact on me than he does which I wouldn't have said 10 years ago before I watched what he had watched and saw yeah. some of the things he'd seen. It's just that it's interesting to see where someone takes inspiration and then where they go with it. And then instead of just like following up with their, you know, with what they created, going back to their source. And even those sources had inspiration from directors. Oh, exactly. yeah, it's, yeah. it's so interesting to see how that kind of, it's like that with music too. I mean, right. you listen to something nowadays and then you, okay. So like, Say you listen to Pearl Jam and you're like, okay, well, what did Pearl Jam like? Okay, and then you went back, you know, five, six years and it was maybe, you know, even if it was like Led Zeppelin or something, then you'd go back and, and see what Led Zeppelin liked yeah. and what they were influenced by and and just dig deeper and deeper. And yeah. there's some amazing stuff out there. I even went, like, just speaking on it. You know, back in the 80s and stuff when I really was growing up and in high school and, and getting really, like, into music where I was, like, to the point where I knew, um, and I was very much into, like, hard rock and heavy metal. So I knew, like, all the bands and I knew all the band members and I knew all their albums and I knew what song was on what album and this and that, you know. And so, but I, but I kind of, to me, I look back on it and I'm like, I pigeonholed myself and I didn't check out all these other you know, genres and stuff back then, mm -hmm. I, you know, all my friends were metalheads and stuff like that. So we were all kind of the same. And so when I grew up and got into more genres and stuff, then I started going back like and listen to uh, like New York hardcore and things like that. But then I, and I dug into that and then I went into like 
the beginnings of ska, like yeah. from like Jamaica and things like that, and influence what I like now because I got into ska in the '90s and stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, where did that come from? And then like the uh, and the reasoning behind why ska got so big in in Britain because whenever after the war, like uh, they would like people from Jamaica would go to England for work. Mm-hmm. So they would do all the construction to rebuild everything. And that's when the music got integrated into that culture. And then bam, it came over to the United States. Yeah. So it's just weird. And then I got into like some weird, like uh deep South Delta, Mississippi blue stuff was yeah. like, you know, one guy on a guitar and two strings on it and stuff like that. And it was just, like cool stuff. So yeah, I, I get what you're saying is just digging deep into what influenced what influenced you. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's funny to to kind of piggyback on what you just said actually. Um I grew up I, you know, I was born in 1980. So like my teenage years new metal was that yeah. was that was what, you know, Corn and Limp Bizkit mm-hmm. and like, you know, and I know that gets crapped on a lot and that's fine. But I never really that I, was that was freaking exciting to me. Oh, exciting as hell. I, I still love I oh, still yeah. love them, you know? yeah. But I never would I would always kind of keep it in that arena and I like things like Slayer or harder stuff. I really wouldn't check out. And I was kind of dismissive, honestly, which is kind of sad. And then about 10 years ago, I have a really close friend and he's into Slayer and King diamond. Mm -hmm. And we went and saw a couple shows and like, I couldn't believe how, you know, and you're like, how could I have not had this in my life before? No, I was like, (laughs) I'm an asshole. (laughs) Like, how could I have not, (laughs) how could I have not at least given them a chance? Like just been so dismissive about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Um, finding inspiration in things is, it's so weird, you know? Cause it's like the, the, I, I, I've, I've wanted to like push myself to create this over here, like whatever, it doesn't matter what it is, an apple, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I wanted to create this apple and I was pushing and pushing and pushing as far as like writing or coming up with concepts because I wanted to keep something in a certain arena as far as budget. And I like just like racked my brain and I was trying to write something for three months, nothing. And then one day I was listening to a podcast and I sat down at work and wrote on my phone for almost two hours. Something just clicked. And that was the second film that we just uh, wrapped back on, and at the at the end of summer called Absolution, um, like a revenge thriller. So it's like inspiration comes in the weirdest places. You know, it doesn't have yeah. to be other filmmakers or films. It, it can literally be anything. Um, someone who had reached out to me that wanted to be involved with our film, uh, I, I, I told her we were just wrapping up and I wasn't, you know, there was no point in her coming to be involved at that point, because there was like one or two shoot days left, yeah. you know, and we didn't need anyone that we didn't know on set, per se. Um, I talked to her for like a couple hours one night, and based on that conversation just like six weeks ago, I wrote a brand new script, and it had nothing to do with what we were talking about, by the way. It was just something that like, something in my brain just like sparked. And so I wrote a brand new script, and that's what we're in pre-production on right now. <laughs> and like, if I wouldn't have spoke to her and she's involved with the project too, by the way, but if I wouldn't have spoke to her, like that, that film never would have been coming to life. You know, it's so weird. It's, it's cool when that stuff happens yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. because especially it's, I mean, it's hard enough to, it, you know, when you're trying to find something to inspire you and, and motivate you. And so when it just comes freely yeah. and you're just all of a sudden, it's just, you sit down in front of the computer and just, and you're just going in a nonstop because you don't want to like lose that, 
yeah. that inspiration. Yeah. But it's, it is a beautiful thing. I, I remember, um, I knew whenever I, f- we first started, uh, doing uh, just the podcast because I had trying to break back into radio and somebody mentioned how you need to do a podcast. And I'm like, I, I don't know what a podcast is. I don't know how much it costs or, or whatever. I don't, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so we just sat down and just started doing it. I started, you know, watching what other people were doing and stuff. But ultimately I knew because of my radio background that I, I wanted to make a radio station, you know, so um, and, but I knew it like, I kind of drug my feet. Like, am I, am I the one that's supposed to do this and this and that? And, and I had talked to somebody, um, that, um, she was trying to guide me on, on some stuff and whatever. And it was like the same conversation. It was like, well, you know, all this and, and you know how to do all this. Why haven't you done it yet? And that night I had like, it was like 10 p.m. and I just and I, and I hadn't done any research at all. And I just started looking up like uh, Internet sites and stuff where, you know, they had the software to run the, the music and mm-hmm. automate it and all that stuff. And I'm like, OK, and I already had all the imaging done because of the of the podcast already. And I sat there for about 10 hours putting everything in and downloading songs and, and making sure that things were going to flow decently. It wasn't perfect, but it was like. And it was just a conversation that inspired me to finally just jump and do it. Yeah. You know? And it's amazing when that stuff happens. It's, it is, it's also interesting. You said something, it just, I don't know. It, it made me think of something. Uh, you were talking about all the work you put into it before you ever even began recording or even really considered recording. Like everyone sees the end result, but they never see all the work that it takes to get up to that point. Yeah. And I think most people would be so shocked to, to really understand or like to realize like, Oh, this person put in 20, 40, a hundred, a thousand hours before they ever got to that point to present what you're currently taking in, you know, exactly. as a medium, you know, I it's, mean, it's like, and it's like that with every profession, even if sure. it's a carpenter or something like that, like they, they have to learn their trade before they yeah. come to your house and build a deck, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's better that they learn it before. But then, the, the, but then somebody who's never done it looks at it. Oh, that's pretty cool. I wish I could, uh, I want to yeah. do that. And then they're like, well, you got to do this and that and that. And, and they're like, Oh, wait a minute. You know, yeah. I'm not that dedicated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. That's because I, I'm sure you've ran into a lot of people that like, Oh, I'd love to make my own movie and stuff. And like, okay, well, you know, this is my advice is what you should do. And then they're like, Oh God, okay. you know, Yeah, I've had people message me and ask, you know, like certain, certain things that I've done. Uh, and I'm always happy to talk to them. <clears throat> I, I think that, it's always way more difficult than what you expect. Yeah. <laughs> and I do think from the first film that we made to the second one, I'm about halfway done with post-production. It has been so much easier. I can't even begin to tell you how much easier the second film was compared to the first film. Um, just in so many ways, I think just organizational wise, well, just and- the, the administrating things that aren't even necessarily, the filming part or, or yeah. anything like that. Cause you've already got kind of in your head what the scenes are going to be and everything else. It's just yep. getting everything behind the scenes organized. Yep. Like, okay, well, uh, who's going to be my camera people. Who's going to, uh, take this shot. Okay. What, what actresses or actors are going to play? What their schedule, what are their schedules? Yeah. You know, do our schedules fit together? How long is it going to take? And then, okay, well then we want to shoot the scene, what the weather's going to be like. And you get, you know, it's, yeah. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the experience goes so far to 
you know, kind of inform you that, you know, the next decision you make, you have the experience behind you that even if you made a wrong decision in the past, at least it informs you that, hey, that may not have been the best way to go about doing it. So let's try a different way, yeah. you know, so you're not making the same mistake twice, you know, yeah. nothing worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But it, it's, it is good because you like the next time you go around, you're like, okay, so this next project, make sure that I don't do this and right. I do do this, yeah. you know? Yeah. Having like having the right people around you to support you is probably the biggest thing. Um, that's the thing I, I preach a lot. Nobody no. can do it alone. No. There's no, there's no successful project company or anything that somebody just did it no. straight by themselves. That's what, that's what really frustrates me. Like I try to, I, I try to never say the term my film. Yeah. I call it our film because I did not make it by myself. Even if it's my crazy ass idea, uh, even if I wrote it, directed it, whatever, I, I had, you know, uh, Fontaine and the Vengeful Nun Who Wouldn't Die, my our first film, mm-hmm. uh, I think we had like 50 different people involved in that project. You know, like, I'm not 50 people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't the one in the, in the nun costume running around with a sword, you know? <laughs> well, that was not me. I'd like to see that, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's um, you know, and it's wild because each person sacrificed in their own way. You know, and maybe maybe I spent the most time on it, but it was my conception and it was kind of my baby from start to finish, you know, Uh, but that doesn't mean that other people didn't put so much time and effort. And, you know, the lead actor, like she she got beat up quite a bit. Now, she was fine, but I mean, we, we, you know, we had a stunt and fight choreographer on set, but it was a very physically demanding film, you know, and one scene we had her run up the stairs um, and she's fighting people on concrete stairs. And just that in itself took a lot of prep just to make sure we had that, down, the, the choreography down. But then we did like 14 takes because of the way we were trying to shoot it. Oh yeah. And running up two flights of stairs 14 times while simulating a fight that has to look good on camera. <laughs> I mean, that's it's a, gotta, it's, but it gotta be rough. Yeah. Yeah. That's exhausting. Right. So, you know, I, I'll never say that I made the film by myself. That's just ridiculous. And I think, I think a lot of people have ego and I think that's what ties into the whole, my film kind of thing. Yeah. And I try, I try not to do like my radio station. I usually say the radio station or I say, or if I mention, I say myself and my team yeah, yeah. Or, or something like that. I try to, you know, yes, I created it, but no, I'm not putting all the work into it yeah. now. You know, it, it's so tough. Even just a minute ago, I, I slipped up and said, mm-hmm. my, it's, it, you know, it's whatever we're human, but yeah. you know, I, th- I think it's, I think it's the mindset really. I think it's just the way that you include people in the collaborative process. And, you know, if you actively are trying to say, or to approach things from a perspective of, Hey, it was our project. It's our film, our music, our band, our station. Yeah. You know, I, I think that goes a long way. And I think people see that. Yeah, definitely. And I even try to even include, you know, cause I have to, because if it wasn't for them, the station would really be with the artists that, uh, that, that we play, sure. you yeah. know, it's like, I got to thank them or they could, you know, it, it's just the way it is without them. I wouldn't, what would be the yeah. point of having a radio station? Right. Know? No, no. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. I love that though. It's, it's also like mutually beneficial because you're playing them, getting them, you know, people are hearing them, but also you're not in a position, you're not saying, Hey, we're doing this favor for you. No, it's, it's a mutually beneficial exchange where, you know, they're, they're filling time <laughs> with their music, but they're also being heard by people that may not have heard them. So it's really a cool yeah. dynamic. That's what I think creating together should be. You're lifting each other up, 
You know, you're not stepping on someone to go hire yourself. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's about like for you, for instance, you know, making movies and, and it's the same thing with making music as they've spent so much time and energy and maybe time away from their family or whatnot and, and definitely money. And for so for them to create a, a product that took that much time and love and stuff and then it just sit there, you know, there's no... You know, they could put it on Spotify or whatever, but yeah. it, is it really giving it life to where, you know, there, there's something magical to me. Um, you know, I know radio has kind of gone by the wayside a little bit, but there's something special to me as being a, a, a former person in a band where if you know, like your song is on a, on a platform and, but you're sitting there just listening and, and you're hearing other artists and this and that, and you never know when you're going to come up. And it's that beautiful thing whenever you hear, you know, uh, a liner go by and it's beyond FM. And then that intro starts of your song and yeah. you're like, oh, yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a it's a magical feeling of just not knowing what song is next. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have gotten away from from that energy. You know, even if it's even if like you're listening to the point in like your favorite song from Rage Against the Machine comes on or something and you're just like, yes, and you just automatically crank it up. And yeah. then that's the same kind of magic that it's that trying not to crank knowing. it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Gotcha. Well, let's throw out some surprises for everybody and we'll play some music and see if we can surprise some, right. some of the kids out there. And we'll, we'll come back and talk more with James Dean here in a minute on Beyond FM.
Beyond FM. If you build it, they will listen. I once convinced a woman that I was Kevin Costner, and it worked because I believed it.
It is the best of everything STL Beyond FM and a, and a special presentation today for uh, Beyond FM 24-7 and uh, hanging out with James Dean. Now, you mentioned uh, earlier that uh, you remember the first movie that you went and seen at the theater. What was that? So I, I think I remember the experience more than anything. Like, I remember the, I, I want to say it was E.T., okay? Uh, but So you I, had to be what, like... I was small, like four. Yeah, like four. Yeah, three or four. But I remember, this was back uh, when Northwest Plaza was a thing. Oh, yeah. But it wasn't an indoor mall at that point. It was actually an outdoor mall. Yeah, I remember my parents used to take me there every, you know, because we, well, at the time, uh, until I was seven, I lived in Maryland Heights. So, like, every year was something special for us to go to Northwest Plaza because they they always had it decorated really nice. And and, and this was before, you know, all the gangland moved in to go for the mall. But as sad as that is. But, yeah, it was something special to go to Northwest Plaza. And they had it just decked out every year, you know. And there was lights everywhere. And it was beautiful. But anyway. Before before the theater was... Like they had, they had tilt and they had a movie theater that was in Northwest. But before that it was outside of it across the way from it, Mm -hmm. which I think later became like a furniture store or something. And like, I remember like the old school ramps, you would have to go up a slight ramp to get into the movie theater. Mm -hmm. And then like the ramps, I remember the lighting along the ramps, like this plastic encased lighting that was like somehow the coolest thing in the world, because I knew that meant I was about to go sit down and watch this magical story unfold even if I don't have the best recollection of what it was, it was like the memory around the entire event going with my mom and being transported into like this other world, you know, Mm -hmm. through the medium of film. And I think that's honestly, that's what like makes me so intrigued by it. Um, It's like, it's like magic to me. It's like watching a magician, you know, especially when you watch a film that makes you cry or it makes you feel anything, Oh yeah, you know, Uh, it doesn't matter if you're laughing, crying, if you're just like super pumped because, there's an action sequence and you've never seen that before. Um, the fact that they can make you feel emotion and they're doing it by putting all these little pieces together, you know, um, that's magic to me. And I, I think I equate like the overall experience and the lead up to that film. The first one I saw much more in my memories than what I saw, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was, I, I think it was also, you know, you're going with your, your mom or whoever you're going with the first couple times, you know, usually it's a parent. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, it just felt like in and my you head, probably you probably spilled popcorn, and it was probably maybe the first time you really smelled popcorn because yeah. it was overbearing when you walked in. Oh, and, for sure, you know, and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's funny because like I have so many memories about going to see movies, and it's not about the movie; it's about the overall experience. Yeah, you know, I remember when I was ten, we went and saw um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, <laughs> which to me is one of my favorite Christmas oh, yeah. movies. You know, and I remember that one of my friends at the time sat there and poured an entire bottle of salt on the popcorn. Oh, man. <laughs> and I was like, you just ruined my, my popcorn, man. <laughs> but, like, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like, that whole dynamic, the, the ma- I, I just keep going back to the word magic because that's what it feels like to me, you know? It, it's also kind of like talking about, um, you know, when you're coming off of a break and you hear a new song that you didn't know what song was going to be played. You know, I feel like that's been lost a little bit because going into the movie theater has such a different experience than streaming things online. Yeah. There's a limited availability. There's a certain time slot. You have to be somewhere to be in the seat to watch the movie. Yeah. I think that, you know, the uh, movie industry, the same way with the music industry is like all the streaming stuff. It not necessarily hurt it monetarily in a way, but 
you do lose the experience. Like you said, like it used to be kind of an event when a, a, a movie came out and everybody wanted to go, you know, and yeah. you had lines and, um, you know, even anything from, you know, back in the day when like a, a, the f- new Batman came out or whatever, and there was, you know, literally a hundred people in line trying to get tickets to go see it. And now it's just like, eh, okay, well, I'll just wait till you know, a month from now when it comes out on stream, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember like back to the future and, you know, I, I'm a little bit younger than you, but like yeah. back to the future. And like for me, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, man, yeah. I was all about the Ninja Turtles. And I remember exactly what you're saying about the line outside. Yeah. And then, you know, you wait for 45 minutes and then, oh, we're sold out. <laughs> but it was still like, it's still like a memory that's in my head. Like, obviously, it bothered me so much that I'm still, I still remember that, that I wasn't able to see it yep. opening day. Yep. <laughs> because I was so, exp- you know, excited and the anticipation of seeing that movie at nine, 10 years old. Like, it was everything, you know? Yep. Um, so whenever you watch movies now, can you separate yourself and just be a viewer and not analyze everything as you're watching it? It really depends. Um, it, it really depends. Uh, I don't mind seeing all of the um, all of the seams on films that don't have a three hundred million dollar budget. But when I go and watch a Marvel movie and I start like seeing things that they did, and it's like, oh. You had $200 million to make this film, and it's very clear that you're doing this. Now, to the average movie-going person, maybe it's not so obvious to them, mm-hmm. but I would think that with the $200 million, you would have put you know another ten grand into shoring up the fact that maybe we'd do this a little differently. You know, like, yeah. So it really depends. Like, I'm much more forgiving with like indie films, obviously. Yeah. Um, for the m- most part, I think I'm able to separate it. Uh, but I can also see the seams way easier now. And I also, when I can't, it just makes me intrigued. And then I'll stop watching the film for a second and start thinking about how they accomplished it. Cause I, I love it, you know, and I want to, or I want to know how they did it in case I can utilize that in some way, not, not an exact replica, but it's amazing. Like one tool discovering one tool can lead to so many different uses of that tool, you know? Yeah. So watching something unfold on screen and not knowing how it was done and then figuring it out and then being able to implement it in some other way. It's pretty cool. Gotcha. So, um, I know that you're more geared towards the horror type stuff. Uh, Are you planning on doing like anything else, just drama or comedy or, or anything like that? So I think in general, I hate the idea of like being put in a box or, and I, we all do it. I do it too. I do it to people all the time. I don't mean to, but it's like, it's one of those things that as humans we tend to do. Um, I, I could see myself doing so many different things, you know? Um, so I, the, the first film we made Fontaine was definitely more of like a, it was an, it was a tribute to exploitation films from the Mm seventies, you know? Uh, so it definitely wasn't horror, even though it was heavy on gore. Um, the new film we're working on is clearly a slasher horror film which I would say it's actually probably the first like real horror film that I'm making. And then our second film absolution is more of a revenge thriller kind of in vein of uh, blue ruin. I don't know if you ever saw that mm-hmm. uh, a revenge thriller with like definitely like heavy moments of drama um, or like heavy moments of just, it's more of a character study. It's more slower. Um, it takes its time with everything. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be interesting. Anyone that watches my movies, if they're always expecting the same exact thing, they're going to be disappointed for sure. And that might hurt me also, you know, cause I feel like some filmmakers, they make one kind of movie and they just make variations of it. 
mm-hmm. because they can build off that audience from the first yeah. one, you know? Kind of um, like, I mean, not to pick anybody, but like uh, Jerry Bruckheimer. I mean, like, you yeah. know, it, that's his movie, yeah. you know what I mean? Or, I mean, or, or a Ron Howard movie. You know yeah. that it's, yeah. it was Ron Howard that did it, you know, without even seeing the credit. Like, yeah, this is his style. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I, I, like, I like being able to utilize like the style and how I want to tell the story. I, I think there will be, there will be a connective tissue with each film with that, but the kind of movie and the kind of storytelling I'm doing, I think is going to vary every time, you know? Um, and I think some things are just going to be f- more fun to do. You know, if you're making a movie about a killer Santa on a porn set, I think that sounds pretty fucking fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, it reminds me, you know, the inspiration for stuff like that is like sorority house massacre Two, where the girls are all running around the entire movie in lingerie. And, the next door neighbors possessed and killing them one by one. You know, it's like, (laughs) it's utter insanity. Um, It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you know, the other thing that I really love is taking inspiration from things that I grew up watching and using it in a way where I can make it make more sense than they did through writing or storytelling. And then you have the, you kind of have the best of both worlds where it can just be a splatter fest where you just see a bunch of beautiful women running around being murdered one by one. Or if you really are interested, there is something deeper there. Now I think probably 80% of the people watching these films, especially when they're like in that, in that realm, mm-hmm. aren't going to be looking for anything deeper, but anyone that does may find something deeper, you know? Um, yeah. I, I just find that interesting. I don't, I don't want to make just a movie. That's just a, just a slasher. It, I, I feel like that would kind of be empty. I want to have something more to it, uh, a subtext. I, I don't want it to be in someone's face necessarily, but I want it to be there. And if they want to, if, you know, if they take the time to really watch it and pay attention, they may, they may see it, you know, and it, it'll make sense. And there's a messaging of sorts behind it. If they're drinking or, you know, getting high and watching the film, which is how a lot of people probably will. And nothing, <laughs> yeah. nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that either. You may miss it. That's okay, too. You know, I or you I? may catch more than, than what, right. what yeah. you thought was in there. Yeah, it's, it's quite possible. Yeah. I, I think telling someone how to um, like take in art or music or anything, that's kind of silly. You know, yeah. I know what my intent is when making something, but I can't sit there in everyone's, you know, living room or when they're sitting there holding their phone watching it. And be like, now this is what I really meant. Yeah. I think once it's released, it's released. You know, the way people interpret something, that's a whole nother, you know, that's a whole nother thing. But it's, it's interesting to like go through the motions, make the product. And it is a product. You know, yeah. if, if you don't, I mean, like, I hate to address it that way. But if I, if we don't make money on any of these films, eventually I'm going to stop making films. Oh yeah. You know, and it's not that I want to make, I'd be okay with even having my own small business I have right now, uh, which is a cleaning company, which is like the least glamorous thing in the world. I'm okay with even doing that to make money and just breaking even on these films would go a long way, you know, but it's so hard. It's, it's incredibly difficult to make a profitable film and to figure out the marketing when you're trying to concentrate on the artistic part of it. Yeah, exactly. There's so, there's so many different things about filmmaking like that, that like, you know, the first film we released, you know, it it did okay. It's not, you know, it's, it, I think it has potential long-term to make its money back, uh, which I self-financed completely. Um, Mm -hmm. but we're talking 10 years probably, you know, and that's just to break even. That's a hard thing to kind of wrap your head around. Yeah. (laughs) And that's, you know, that's if we maintain a similar, 
you know, um, a similar numbers game with regards to, you know, streaming numbers and whatnot. You know, it may it may get better. It may go down. You never know. Um, but, yeah, I, the business part I hate, but it's something I have to kind of remind myself. If I'm not taking care of this, the whole art part can't happen. Yeah, I'm yeah. getting to that point as well. You know, it's like, yeah, I love doing what I do, but now I would like to do... I would like to do more in order to do more. I have to make money at doing it, yeah. you know? So like say, Oh yeah, I want, I would love to put on, you know, a, a show at the pageant or something yeah. like that, where I can put a bunch of local bands who never got the, will probably never play the pageant again and, yeah. and put something together, but that costs money a lot. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, and I can't do that cause they're not going to hand it to me. You know, the, the other flip side to that is right now we're in a world where content is constantly coming to people yeah. for free. Yeah, they're not paying anything for it, other than like building a uh, building a <laughs> a profile for companies to sell to other companies so they can market to them. Yeah. That's what that's what they're paying. They don't realize it though. It appears completely free. Yeah, and because it's completely free, you know, I'm using air quotes here. Mm-hmm. Um, when you ask people to pay five dollars or ten dollars or to you know somehow support you it's like oh well i could just go watch my youtube or do this or do that and i'll be fine it's free you know (laughs) so it's it's tough because you're you're competing with free content and you're asking someone to pay for your content and so you have to you know that I, I don't know. It's it's tough. It is tough. It's really man. tough. It yeah. is tough. Yeah. If we and hopefully we can all figure out the formula and, and share it together and not tell anybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have meetings. We'll, we'll have meetings on Tuesday well, nights. Yeah, let's have a meeting. Let's uh, brainstorm a little bit. Like, how do we make money on those guys? You know. Uh, yeah. Well, let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll we'll talk a little more. And, uh, and I'm sure you, especially now that we're mentioning ways to uh, view your material and where sure. people can find things and like that. And maybe we can, you know, get some spins for you. you yeah. Know? yeah, for sure. All right. We'll come back and talk about that here next on Beyond FM.
best of everything STL. We mean everything. You're crazy. I like you. But you're crazy. Beyond FM. Yes! That's awesome! the best of everything STL beyond FM hanging out with James Dean. And one of the things I want to ask you, uh, what are some of the pros and cons of maybe, uh, you know, doing film in St. Louis? Um, I mean, so, you know, I've always been here and I've never made film outside of St. Louis. So, um, 
It's, it's kind of a weird question. The cons definitely, and I don't even know if it would apply to me, but if someone wanted to make a hundred or 200,000 or $500,000 budgeted film, there's no tax credits in St. Louis or in Missouri. Um, something a lot of people don't realize, like the show Ozark mm-hmm. wasn't filmed in Missouri. Yeah. That's crazy. Why, why would it not be? You know? Exactly. I can tell you why it wouldn't be because Georgia has amazing tax credits. And so mm-hmm. they went there and shot it there, you know? You know, the, the bigger the budget, the more you're going to be looking at things like tax credits, you know? Um, so that's definitely a con. Um, I think another con to an extent, and I don't want to dismiss any of the talent in St. Louis because there's an incredible amount of talent. But if you're looking for name talent that may get you uh, a little more exposure, you know, you have to look to other cities, which means you have to fly them in or you have to, you know, and then you have to put them up. Yeah. You know, as opposed to if you live in L.A. Now, don't get me wrong. L.A. does not sound like a place I would want to live. No. I, I, that's just me, you know. Um, but it doesn't sound like an ideal place to live. <laughs> um, so I think those would be cons. The plus sides, um, I, I love a lot of the people I've met here. Like, they're not just collaborators. They're friends. And they're family. Because when you're on set, people become family, you know. Oh, yeah. And so there's people that no matter where I go or what I ever do, I'll always want them involved in some capacity. You know, um, I've, I've been working with Brian Davis. He's a stunt, stunt guy, choreographer, and he's a, he's a martial artist. He's a black belt. And I've been working with him since this will be our fourth project together, the fifth, fifth project together. And, you know, I'll always have him involved. He's an actor also, and he's acted in three of my projects Four actually, he won't be acting in the new one. I don't think, but he'll be handling all the stunt work. You know, and it's not like we have a lot of fights in the new one, but there's still small things can be dangerous on set. So you really need someone there that knows what they're doing. And he's the guy, you know, Um, so like having the family, having the connections, I've definitely established connections around here. That really helps, I think. Um, I guess one other con, it's more of a pet peeve. And I guess this isn't just a St. Louis thing. It might be other places, too. If you start something and you involve other people, you finish it. Yeah. You finish it, especially when they've invested three, six, nine months of their life into it, especially when they did it for free. You know, that's, (laughs) you finish it. And I know that filmmaking is hard, and I know that I've had footage where we've got it back, and I said, oh, well, you know, I allotted for one day of reshoots on this entire project, and it just so happens what we just spent 10 hours on we fucked up, you know, like there's 70% of it's usable, but that 30% that's not kind of makes the rest of it not going to click. Yeah. So we have to go reshoot all of that. That's a lot to ask someone, but if they're already putting in three weeks of their life, three continuous weeks, you know, uh, asking them to reshoot something so that you can go back and make it work. You know, it's just, it's just a matter of just like finishing things, you know, and, I think St. Louis, I think there's people in St. Louis that definitely don't finish things, unfortunately. I've seen a lot of that. I yeah. mean, and, and like in my part of the world, you know, a lot of people, like we, like I said, a lot of people want to do podcasts or radio shows or, or whatnot, and then they start it, and then they realize how hard it is, especially yeah. even, even down to, like, especially at the beginning when, when uh, you know, now it's kind of easy, easier for me. Mm-hmm. But at the beginning, like, I'd reach out for, like, have people on the show for interviews and stuff. And then, like, you just get no response or, yeah. or a no or whatever. And, like, it's very discouraging. And you thought, you know, I thought, okay, well, when I do this podcast, you know, I've, I have 
a little bit of radio background and I know a lot of bands and it shouldn't be a hard to yeah. get uh, interviews. And then next thing I know, I'm like, dude, why, why aren't they calling me back? Yeah. You know? And then, I mean, then that's just a small portion of, of what you'll run into and then realizing, Oh, this costs this much or, Oh, it's going to take this much time to do this. Or you do, say you do five episodes or even like in your instance, you do one movie and you're, but you already started the second movie, but then you start seeing the numbers from the first movie and you're like, man, am I doing, you know, yeah. am I supposed to be doing this? Yeah. Know, you know, what's going on? You know? Yeah. yeah. I, so for me, uh, there's, there's a lot to kind of unpack here for me. I'm trying to focus more on the journey and less on the destination or, um, more on the process and less on the result. Yeah. Um, now that's, that's tricky. And that's something that's also not entirely 100% true because you know, from a business perspective, you do want the result to turn out good, but you can't always tie yourself so much to it that if it does fail, then you consider yourself a failure or you just give up altogether. And that's going to tie into the second thing that my thought was, is that I don't view failing as a bad thing. Failing is amazing. When you're a child and you fall down when you're trying to walk and you fail, you fail at standing up. Mm Mm-hmm. You get back up and you try again. You learned what didn't work <laughs> and you do it again, but you do it better and you try to be a little, you know, you just, you just, you just learn, you know, if you view failing as a learning experience, you'll just get better and better at something. You know, if it takes me 10 years to make a film that people finally watch, I, and that's not my goal. I don't want it to take 10 years, yeah. but if it takes me 10 years and then people go back and watch the five movies I made before that, and they can trace back the journey and they can be like, okay, this movie doesn't a hundred percent work, but I can see how he went from this to this and how he's improved. And I love the journey. Like people always want to see the end result, but they never really take into consideration the, all the work. And we talked about this a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. the work that leads up to it. And you know, we're, we're starting our third film. And like I said, uh, the second film was so much easier to shoot and to schedule and to just attack in general. And post-production so far has been, it, it's been fun. Like yeah. on the first film, towards the end of the first film, I had so many things I was trying to juggle in post-production. And it's a, such a different feel because you're not on set around other people. So you're by yourself in a room, a dark room with a monitor staring mm-hmm. at it for hours on hours. Like it affected me, like my mental health had affected, you know, towards the end of that post-production. And this one has just been a delight. I've, you know, it, it's, it's a much heavier, like heavier film in general also, which is so wild. It's just been, you know, and now we're starting pre-production on this next film. And that's going to be a completely different thing and it'll feel completely different. And so like going back and forth between one project and the other, it's nice to have that balance that I'm, I made us, you know, we're going to be making a slasher, goofy Santa killer film versus, you know, this other film that was like a revenge thriller about, a you know, a Vietnam, uh, an alcoholic Vietnam vet, you know, like completely worlds apart you oh, know? Yeah. and how serious and the tone of the overall film is so different, but it's nice being able to step from one to the other. If I'm feeling like a little down or whatever, maybe I'll just go work on my killer Santa film for a bit. Cause like, that's kind of fun and funny and yeah. goofy and you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, you had mentioned like where people could find. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so Fontaine and the vengeful nun who wouldn't die. Uh, it's not for kids. Don't, don't, don't watch it with your children. You know, it's not a children's film. It's definitely a tribute to exploitation films. Um, you know, action revenge. Um, it's available on Tubi TV. 
Amazon, and uh, it's actually it should be on Roku now on some of the Roku channels. That's a, that's a newer uh, channel that just got it just picked up on. Um, but you know, Tubi TV would definitely be the way to go. That's what definitely helps the filmmaker out the most as far as the <laughs> the, the compensation on the back end. Um, you can also find physical media with that at monsterkidfilms.com. Um, you know, Absolution, we're, we're still in post-production on, so we expect that to come out probably September of 2023. And then uh, the new film we're working on, you know, it's a killer Santa film. He has a mental break, and he decides <laughs> to go on a rampage, and he starts killing uh, adult workers, uh, adult sex workers on a, on a holiday-themed <laughs> porn shoot, you know? And um, there's a lot of, like, crazy one-liners we've written. There's a lot. <laughs> there's some nudity. And there's some very gratuitous kills and um, that, you know, that we're actually running at Indiegogo right now. So, you know, if you want to support the arts, if you want to support a crazy film like that, you can go to XXX-MUS.com and it'll take you straight to our Indiegogo. And, you know, we have all kinds of perks. You can actually be in the film if you want. Um, Do you need a need a Santa? <laughs> We, I mean, I'm I'm not trying to put myself down, but I'm, I'm, I'm I'd be a pretty good Santa. The very the very <laughs> first person I contacted was an indie filmmaker um, out of Las Vegas. Uh, he drew Marvick, and he's actually played Santa in a couple other movies. Oh, gotcha. but Never quite like this, <laughs> and so um, yeah, no. So we we designed a poster. Uh, and the poster was around photos that he had already taken. So Santa's already actually most of the film is already cast and it was already cast before we even announced it because I've had, I have more connections now and I just know enough people. And well, yeah. And you've, and you've made friends and, and, and things like that. And you, yeah, and, yeah. And you know how the, the work dynamic is going to happen. And that's, right. that's very important. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely is like, it's, it's interesting. Cause like you could find the most talented actor or musician in the world and, if they're an asshole, you're not going to want to work with them. Exactly. It doesn't matter how talented they are. Yeah. So it's nice finding people that are talented and also just like we vibe, you know, we can get along. We understand that we're here to have fun, but we're also here to do the best job we can. And, you know, it, 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 it goes back to that family and like friendship kind mm-hmm. of feel, you know, um, but yeah, so unfortunately, I apologize, Tony. We have a well, Santa. <laughs> if you do, if you do number two, <laughs> look me up. Yeah, okay. Let yeah. me know ahead of time, and I'll you know because hopefully by then the beard will be down, you know, the yeah. chest and stuff, and then I'll you know, yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've actually had this Santa outfit for a long time because I made a uh, I made a short film which was god awful. It was really bad. Most of my short films are really bad. I'm not going to lie. It goes back to failing. Just yeah getting getting better you know um but we had a killer santa concept uh and it wasn't even necessarily a killer santa it was just a guy in a santa outfit um who attacks a a, like an abusive dad at a home and kills him and so i've had the santa outfit for a while and when i was writing i was like i already have a santa outfit yeah this is gonna work yeah cool (laughs) we don't have to put that in the budget yeah Well, I appreciate you coming out and hanging out. Anything else you want to bring up? I mean, um, you know, um, I just reiterate, um, you know, if you want to support a local filmmaker, uh, go to xxx-must.com. Um, if you like indie filmmaking and like hearing discussions about indie filmmaking where we interview other filmmakers, um, the film hacks were on Spotify and wherever. I mean, thefilmhacks.com, you know, uh, we talked to so many, we talked to local filmmakers too, you know, uh, but just, um, it's an interesting conversation. 
very casual. It's, it sounds like people are just having coffee and kind of talking because we kind of wanted to make it that way. Yeah. But um, I, I love the podcast. We, we talk to all kinds of different creatives, and it's usually indie filmmakers in the less than, you know, $50,000 budget range because that's what most indie filmmakers have, you know. It, I think the term now is not even indie. It's micro, micro-budget filmmaking. <laughs> but, yeah, so, um, yeah, you can find us all those places. I'll get you one too. And I just to uh, a plug, a friend of mine, um, his name's Gerald and, and they've been running a podcast for quite a few years. Now, I think even before I even started, it's called the horror Chronicles. Okay. And, uh, you might want to check them out and hit them up and, and do an interview with them as well. Cause yeah. I think they would be, they'd enjoy talking to you as well. Yeah, so, definitely. I'll, yeah. I'll hit them up. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, maybe even cross promote your podcast with their podcast and yeah. stuff too. Cause they, that that's what they focus on is, is horror films and things okay. like that. And, and so they've, they've been pretty successful at it. So yeah. Yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're like just right down in Rolla. So, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's not bad. That's not too bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, thanks and, a lot. And you know, we we had met brie- briefly before. Whenever we had the, the we had the uh, artists united like conference that one day, and we had kind of shook hands, and it was a busy day. But that was a crazy day. Yeah, but it yeah. was fun. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. we can do something like that again. Yeah, but, yeah. That's, yeah. That, that was amazing. There was like two hundred people that came in the door that yeah, day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I I barely was able to get out of that room to go to the bathroom. Oh, me either. <laughs> and it was like just constant like talking to people. I'm yeah. Like wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was I fun. Did, yeah, that, and I didn't fun. even realize like half the, half the people even existed in this town. So yeah. that, that's yeah. that's a beautiful thing. We need to do it again. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, but I appreciate you, and we'll we'll get out of here. And uh, like I said, thanks for coming in and hanging out on a Friday. And yeah. and uh, we'll we'll get the word out there for you. And I, and I I'm going to look into all all the things that you, you you've produced and, and check them out, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, out of here, we'll, we'll see you next time right here on Beyond FM. The best of everything STL. You're goddamn right. Beyond FM.